Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, here's Danny and Will. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. Party people, what's what good, baby? Wake and Rake podcast. Will Middlebrooks, Danny Vietti. Will Middlebrooks is fresh off his trip back to Beantown, man. How was that? You threw out the first pitch out in Boston. That was cool for me to uh, kind of watch it from afar, but it had to been pretty cool for you. That was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Yeah? Of my life. I mean, you played in a World Series in Boston, and you're still putting it up there? Yeah, really? that was, um, well, what was really one of the big moments in our season in 2013 was the Boston Marathon bombings, right? Um, which made a big impact on our team. We made it a, a, a point to be a part, bigger part of the city, go spend time with victims, go visit people at hospitals, uh, raise money for victim families, this and that, and kind of just try to represent what the city was you know resilient perseverant whatever that may be we were just trying to give them escape to watch baseball and watch a team that played hard that was it so it meant a lot to us and it kind of gave us that extra fuel to win that world series honestly we had a little extra there was a lot extra meaning to our season than just winning for us so it was cool for them they called me uh pam uh she's a pr lady there she called me on saturday afternoon um so the game was on monday Mm -hmm. Called me and was like, hey, um, are you vaccinated? I'm like, well, good to talk to you. <laughs> Max, what's up? I was like, I actually had COVID like a month and a half ago. I'm probably pretty safe to be around. Yeah, that's like the new how are the kids comment. It's right. not like, oh, hey, how are they getting you get shot? Yeah, you get your shot. You get posted. She's like, hey, we want you to throw out the first pitch. And I was thinking, oh, cool. It's probably like a group of us since it's Marathon Monday. Because normally that's in April, mid-April. Right. They had to move it because of COVID. I'm like, oh, and she's like, no, 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 no. It's just you. I was like, What? That was, that was really special for me um, to be picked because I wasn't, I'm not some like Hall of Famer. Like, I don't have, I didn't put up a ton of stats. I played three seasons there. I had like 40 homers over mm-hmm. three seasons. And it's like a 240 hitter there. You know, I have one really good year. It, it wasn't like I was David Ortiz. Um, but just to know that the things I did off the field and in the, within the organization resonated with people and it went beyond baseball uh, meant a lot to me. So, mm-hmm. Because if you're not a really good baseball player, you got to be a good person. <laughs> if you're a really good baseball player, they're like, ah, oh, whatever. You, you could be neither. Good. You could be neither. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I got to make up for my lack of baseball ability with just being a good person. <laughs> so that was uh, what I tried to do there. But no, it was really, all jokes aside, it was really special for me. I got, I got there, went on the Nest and pregame show, talked a little ball. That was cool. Um, you, you dominated that, by the way. We had fun. I mean, uh, I I was a kid. Like, I came up, I was 23 years old, and Jim Rice I, was in my ear all the time. Louis Tiant, Tom Karen, who does the Nesson shows there, um, I always talked to and did interviews with. Uh, and then Lenny DiNardo, who was a pitcher on the, on the 2004 Red Sox team, is another member of their their uh, Nesson, of their crew, uh, was there as well. And I know him. So it was, it was super comfortable. It was just like a, a flashback for me, you know. It was like a family reunion is what it felt like. Even though Xander Bogarts was the only person um, that I played with on that 2013 team that has left on that squad. I was going to ask you about that because there was a really cool photo of you and Xander after they clinched, or I don't want to say clinched, won the series, moving on. And then it's you talking to Xander, and I'll put up this photo. For people listening on audio platforms, just take my word for it. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll throw up the photo on our podcast here. But 
What what do you tell Xander in that moment? Because I, I look like a pretty like we, serious we text we text here and there, but not a lot. I don't like to bother guys during the season. It's right. a grind. I don't want to be in anybody's ear. I'm not a teammate anymore, you know. So I just told him I was proud of him, like how like the leader he's turned into. Because I was like, I had been in the big leagues for a year and a half, uh, almost two full seasons when he came up. So obviously he had his veteran veterans to lean on, but when he came up, he was with me a lot. And I was kind of his guy. He didn't have to be like scared and nervous around yet. I knew what to do and I could kind of guide him in the right way. So I was kind of like a big brother to him when he came up um, and he's just such a good human being, yeah. like beyond baseball, just salt of the earth, works his ass off, loves his teammates, a family guy. He's just a really good person. Um, so just told him I was proud of him. And I was just so happy with how he has turned into such a leader and not only on that team, but in that city, uh, for his country of Aruba, like he's like, he's like the president over there. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, it was pretty simple. I didn't want to keep him long. He was celebrating with his teammates, but just yeah. give him a hug, love on him a little bit and tell him I missed him. And um, yeah, it was good to see everybody. We'll talk more about the Red Sox later in the show. Cause we want to preview the ALCS NLCS. We'll talk about the, what you got, you got a point to make. I just have to say this. I, have played in a lot of big games in my life and dealt with nerves and this and that. I was never more nervous in my life than I was to throw the first pitch. Oh, dude, I'm not done talking about first pitch with you. Just say no. I, I was keeping our audience. Uh, I, I was being a good host and I was using my journalistic capabilities here to keep my our audience here and in, intact. But I, I'm not done talking about this first pitch because we got. First of all, I want to ask this: Did you not hear the the fan in the stands, the video I sent you? Yeah, uh, when your you wife's a smoke show. Your wife's a smoke show. I thought you'd appreciate that. Did I Jenny did see it? That. She is a smoke show. My Jenny has to get tired of hearing that crap, though. Would you want to hear? I would love to hear I'm hot every day. Well, I, I don't I hear it that. like I don't get that anniversary experience. and birthdays. You know? I don't get that experience. You know what I mean? Like, I get like, <laughs> yeah, he could probably be better. Like, he's doing everything he can. That's what she I was mean. also like in the public eye there, you know, when she worked in sports <laughs> yeah. there. So, yeah. yeah. No, that was a funny video. I so they flew that. you she, up. They flew you up there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just called you up on a Saturday and you were up there by Monday. Yeah, like, hey, can you get on a flight Monday morning? Be here early enough to come on the on the pregame show. Yeah. I got in there about 2.30 to the pregame show. They walked us around center field. I hung out with some of the victims and victims' families. Mm -hmm. There's like 20 of us. You saw like the picture of everybody around the mound. That was really and A cool. lot of people without legs and, you yeah. know, prosthetics. It was just crazy. And I, I, I visited two of those people in the hospital so mm -hmm. like we both remembered that so that was special wow. they were like at their all-time low and now they're getting to walk on the Fenway 10 years later or eight years later um, we need to have a podcast just on your experience from the Boston bombing because you were so involved a lot of people don't know this but at least Boston fans probably know this but like as a casual non-Boston homer over here I didn't realize right. how involved and engrossed you were with that entire experience because you were I don't want to say leading the charge because there was a lot of people that were involved. Right. But you were one of those guys that were going to hospitals, spending time with victims. And right. now it's coming full circle to you. And that was, a, that was really cool to, to see. And I know it, it meant a lot to you. And I texted you this as I saw you celebrating with the boys. I saw you on the field. I saw you throw an absolute dime of a strike for your first pitch, by the way, too. Very nice. Well done Thank God. on a bum leg. And I texted you and I said, okay, is it Will Middlebrook's comeback season? And you texted me what? Uh, you, I 
Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, no. I, Am I, I allowed to bring like, this up? No, that's okay. No, it's okay. We can do that. I felt like oh, this is getting deep, but I, um, I felt like I finally got some of the closure that I've been waiting to get from my career because it ended so abruptly with an injury. Right. Um, it wasn't like I wasn't able to physically play or play baseball at that level anymore because I just gotten old and broken down, whatever. I had a, I had an injury that stopped me and cost me probably five more years of playing baseball. Right. Even if that's a four as a four, a player, I think I had a good chance of making the Phillies roster that year in spring training. So that sucked because I was finally in, I had a really good year the year before in triple a, and then got, we got to the big leagues back to the big leagues with the Rangers. Um, and I felt really good where I was in my approach, my swing and all that. And then the injury happened, rehab for a year, couldn't come back. And that was like heartbreaking. It's like my heart ripped out. Like I, it, all my just value for myself was put through baseball. And I didn't, I didn't know how to make more any, like make it, make myself more valuable because that's all I'd ever done was play baseball. Purpose. It, that's the word. I just couldn't figure it out. I got you. But <clears throat> this, it's not like I needed some like retirement tour, um, but doing this, being able to come back and kind of be honored, not necessarily for my career, but just like a couple of things that I did while I played, um, it finally felt like, okay, it's, it's over now. Like, it's not, not like I didn't know it was over, but it's like, it's over now and it's, it's okay. Like, I don't know. It was just, it felt like closure for some reason. Because it just, um, I don't know. It's it's really hard to explain. I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it. No, it's no, really no. Hard, I, it's I really hard you. to explain. I, I just, I felt like I was able to close the book. Yeah. On it, because it felt like I was somewhat getting brought back and honored, even though maybe it wasn't for like all the the games I played, but just for me as a teammate and, and whatever I was the city. So it felt like I was being honored, and that just helped me kind of close the book on it. Yeah. So it felt no. pretty good for, from my from my perspective, I've had a lot of conversations with you about coming back you know like i know how your leg is health wise right. and i've always kind of uh, poked the bear i guess like hey you want to come back and play come back and play of course and i do it's just not in the cards you know what i mean so for right. you you know I, I totally understand and I, i'm glad you had that experience for sure yeah it was um, good it was really good for me on a lot of different levels and on top of that it was just a lot of fucking fun yeah it was so yeah. much fun to go see jenny was I like you're taking pictures with happen. fans what you were taking pictures with? Oh fans? no, they Dude. had us seats in like a the luxury boxes up there eating like filet mignon. It's like the fifth inning, and I could look at Jenny. I said, "I want to go sit with the people and like have beer with the fans." So I text the PR lady. I was like, "Is there any tickets?" Because I mean, it was a packed house. The place only holds thirty-seven thousand people. Right. And I was like, "Is there anything down in with like the middle of the fans?" And she was like, "Here, there's a couple here by you know behind the Red Sox dugout, a few." And so we went down. And, hung out people were like what the fuck? like what you That's were cool. just out there hi um so did that and then one of our good friends who is in the front office with the the worcester woo Sox, the triple a team for for uh boston um had front row seats right next to kevin cash mm-hmm. um by the Rays dugout so we went and watched the ninth inning there so we got to see the walk off from that like on the field level and then went on the field with the players after the champagne and all that. It was, it was that's awesome. cool, man. That's cool. I'm glad you had that experience. I'm glad yeah. you threw a strike and then pull a 50 cent and threw it into the. I haven't thrown a baseball out. in three years, bro. So yeah. I was, I literally was walking on the field and I was like, 
this could be really bad. Okay, more nerve-wracking. Throwing a baseball across a diamond in the 2013 World Series, you're throwing the first pitch in an ALDS first five years hands, after you retire. Hands down. I hadn't thrown a baseball in three years. Yeah. And I got out there. I didn't warm up. I was like, my hands were sweaty because I was nervous. Did you lob I was it? Like, I was like, there'll be a rosin bag. I'm going to like sneakily touch a rosin bag so my hands aren't like sweaty. <laughs> I was going like, to pretend like I'm tying my shoes and like tap the rosin bag. Did you, bring spy <laughs> you, you brought spider tack out there for the first pitch, didn't you? I'm not a cheater, man. But there was no <laughs> rosin bag. I was like, shit, I'm going to sail this pitch. And it was a brand new pearl that hadn't been rubbed down, and it was slicker than this table right here. And um, somehow I just grabbed – I she gave me the ball to throw it, and I didn't wait and think about it. I just grabbed it and threw it so it wouldn't – I wouldn't think about it too much. And I drilled him right in the chest. It felt so good. Had a baby. It was like slow motion. I was like, no, yes, good. Okay. Whew. Okay, we'll talk Red Sox. We'll talk ALCS preview. But first, we got to get to the main nugget here. The check swing. Okay. And I, I want to preempt it by saying this. That game was not won or lost by one call. Gabe Kapler reiterated that in his statements. He said, we had multiple chances to win that ball game. I'm referring to the Giants-Dodgers game five. We had multiple chances to win that ball game. It's not one call that decided that result. I totally agree, obviously, with Gabe Kapler. They didn't hit the ball. They scored about two runs per game in that series. You got to score more runs to win a series, especially when you're playing a team like the Dodgers. A lot of credit goes to the Dodgers. But <clears throat> we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't talk about that final call because Wilmer Flores did not swing at that pitch, right? No, that's awful. And when it's a call like that, if it's that close, you can't – she can't end the game like that. And it's not even the game. It's someone's season, right? Careers, yeah. Season. It, and it, I, heard, I heard, I heard and, Grandy last night on the postgame show, and he said, you know, he's he's watching it in real time. He doesn't get instant replays. And for me, I'm like, I, 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 it's a I tough empathize call. with that. It's a tough call. With that said, that is your job. And he right. failed to do his job last night. And normally, Correctly. I mean, like, like you said, like that wasn't even that close. And he, 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 he nailed him quick and hard. Like, he was ready to, like, just go. And then he got off the field so fast. But I looked a little deeper into that. And, I mean, who knows what would have happened. I mean, it was 0-2. Warren Flores is 0 for 17 off Max Scherzer right. in his career. But I'm pretty sure I was, like, 2 for 31 or 3 for 31 off Max Scherzer. And at one point, I was 0 for 15 or 0 for 16. And I got a game-winning knockoff. So, it's possible. Warren Flores is a lot, a lot better than me. You know, like, don't say, yeah, you're supposed to be like, no, he's not. <laughs> Point being, we don't know what would have happened. He could have like hung a slider. Should. He hung a slider and he, he had a walk off Homer who knows, yeah. but more, I guess we'll never know, but we'll never know. And that's the problem because you just, I mean, franchise record for wins with that roster competing against the payroll of the Dodgers and the up and coming Padres and what they were able to do with, with the team they had this year, yeah. for it to end like that is just sickening. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I was talking with somebody from San Francisco. I don't remember if, if it was a radio hit podcast, and they asked me the question, like, what makes Farhan Zaidi so good? And I said, just look at his resume. He inherited a ball club with guys like Mark. And by the way, Mark Lanson had a phenomenal year. But at the time he was with San Francisco, it was a heavy, heavy contract, and he was not mm -hmm. playing up to his contract. So guys like Mark <laughs> Melanson, Jess Samarja, Johnny Cueto, who hadn't pit, like he had Tommy John surgery at the time. He inherited him. Their farm system was ranked 27th in the bigs. They had one of the highest revenues in baseball. Since Farhan Zaidi took over in November 2018, their farm system is now ranked 8th in baseball. It was like 27th. Right. 
their payroll is now 10th, whereas before it was like fourth or I believe it was fourth. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe it was fourth in November of 2018. It's now 10th. Right. And then also he has a 107 win ball club. He inherited a team that finished fourth place in that division. So it makes no sense. He's dropped his pay. It's very similar to what Kyle Bloom has done in Boston. He's just dropped, to compare it to that. He's dropped pay. I did mean you compare Boston and San Francisco all the time, right? Very right. similar in their strategy. They have somehow dropped payroll better. They're better. Is that their correct word? Improve. They're doing, they're doing improve more their with farm, less. Improve, exactly, improve their farm system. And they had a 107 win ball club in a really tough division this year. So it's all to say it really, and it's a tough pill to swallow if you're San Francisco. I don't think San Francisco fans, I mean, they've been talking about this for months, but you're going against 106 win Dodger team. They had the most lethal offense in the national league this year. They scored the most runs. I'm talking about the Dodgers. You took them to game five, you lost by one run. And of all people, Cody Bellinger, who at 165 in a regular season, ended up score, uh, knocking in the game-winning run. So, Amen. hell of a season all, for a season. All bets, all stats are off the table. I, that, I, I love that for Bellinger because we talk about how shitty of a year he had. He had 165, hit 165, but let's not forget how hurt he's been. He broke right. his leg on the foul ball. Right. He had the broken ribs, right? When Homie it, needs to stop changing his batting stance, though. Bro, listen, when you're struggling like that at that level, you start looking for different ways. If you're like, man, I because of an injury, maybe I'm lacking bat speed. Maybe I change this. I, I preset my hips. I do this. And like, that's a real mental game you play with yourself when you're hitting under 200. Trust me. Do you switch it. your batting stance a lot when you're playing? Not a ton. You were pretty. I good. was a pretty simple swing, but yeah. To see Muncie go down and Bellinger, them be like, "Hey, bro." We know you're grinding, but we need you. And now he's, and it's only 17 at bats, but he's hitting 295 mm-hmm. in the postseason with the biggest knock of their season last night. Right. You just never know, man. Yeah. Uh, um, credit to Gabe Morales, by the way, the umpire who did punch out Wilmer. He was available for comment. He sure. said he thought he went at the time. And then they asked the crew chief after the game, they said, Did you guys watch the replay? And they said, We did watch it. And after a couple, uh, uh, they said they thought they made the right call in that moment. So, yeah, I wish they could just be like, we fucked up. Yeah, like, they didn't quite say that. They basically said we watched the replay. They didn't admit. No, I'm saying say, I wish I wish they could just be yeah. more accountable. Like Jim no, Joyce like, yeah. in certain situations has been like, I messed up. Right. And it's a non-reviewable play either. So we can point fingers to Major League Baseball and and. The commissioner, if honestly, we, for the Giants, it's easier to swallow if they just stand by it and be like, no, it was the right call. If they come out and they're like, yeah, it was wrong. Like, that's going to make you even more sick to your stomach. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you people in San Francisco want robo umps like yesterday. Yeah, they got a lot of – I'm curious to see what the Giants do this offseason, too, before we change gears. I just think they have some money to spend. Yes, they do. Um, and, and, and I think Gabe Kapler has a reputation of being a great manager, and I think that can lure some free agents in. I really do. Let's shift gears a little bit. Red Sox, Astros, ALCS. What are you looking forward to most as we approach game one tonight, Friday, prime time, 5.07 p.m. Pacific time, 8.07 Eastern time? Yeah, this isn't going to be your normal CS series where it's like lockdown, stud starting pitching. Chris Sale, Amber Valdez, game one. Yeah, we were expecting McCullers and Evaldi, right? And McCullers Dude, that's has a tough blow. McCullers, he was. Oh, that's tough, bro. He was he's pitching been, well. He's so good. He has one of the best breaking balls in, in in the game. Yeah. Um, I at first I heard Chris Sale and I went, why? His last two outings have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I really dug into this and started thinking more and more on this. And now I actually, I don't know, maybe I just talked myself into liking it, but I actually like it because they're going to need him in some aspect. And seeing how he pitches in game one will get, you won't have to wonder anymore. You're going to know exactly where he's at if he figured it out, because supposedly he figured some stuff out in bullpens. Um, your bullpen, let's say you don't love what you're seeing. In two innings, take him out. Your bullpen is fully rested. There's three days of rest since they played. Which is so what they Pavetta, did. Which is what they did uh, in the ALDS. He wasn't exactly. So Nick Pavetta right is Nick Pavetta has been their unsung hero. Yeah. He threw four and two thirds in game one, and then four more innings in game three, mm-hmm. and he's been unbelievably lights out for them. And that role is so important for a long guy out of the bullpen in the postseason because the leash is short on starting pitchers. Um, but now, let's say Pavetta has to come in and cover three or four innings t- tonight. All right. Get by the game four, he can do it again. They also have Tanner Houck, who is a, who started games, who can go three to four innings as well. They'd like to keep him one to two innings just because his stuff's a little nastier um, one time through the batting order. But um, they're actually okay. And I like Evaldi in game two mm-hmm. because, it, honestly, if they just split here, I think both teams are happy with the split here. Yeah. Houston needs to win at least one because Fenway Park for three, that's a hard place to go play in the postseason, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's almost hard to play there as a home team. It's so loud. Yeah. So that's going to be tough. And without McCullers, they're going to have to lean on that bullpen. Both teams are going to be leaning on their bullpen. Quick tangent. Loudest ballpark you ever played in, not Boston, because I know you're a homer and you're going to say Fenway. Oh, uh, Dodgers. Yeah. Just because they got that extra section. They got Dude, it's so I, loud. Like the ground 60, was 60,000 people in there pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The ground was moving under my feet. So the Astros are an interesting story. So 2018, Charlie Morton, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Lance McCullers, like, uh, Dallas Keuchel, I mean, ridiculous rotation. They have since lost nearly all those uh, pitchers, and they had the second, yeah, second best ERA as a starting rotation this year. And three of those guys that they replaced those studs with, they all came from within, within their own farm system. They were all international free agents. So a lot of credit goes to Houston. We can talk about the science ceiling scandal, and they cheat, and they do this. Well, they're doing a lot of things right down in Houston. I don't I, I forget that I'm drawing a blank on the Houston Astros pitching coach. Fucking stud, dude. That guy needs a manager job like right now. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I think if you're looking at keys to the game here, I think for the Sox, if you can get sale to the fourth and then Pavetta can give you three and then you go to your back end of the bullpen guys. And I think Ottavino, who didn't even throw, he he wasn't even used in the Tampa series, could be key here at the back end of that bullpen with Whitlock, uh, Robles, Brazier, those guys. Um, and I think you just got to score early tonight for game one because you don't know what you're going to get out of sale, and you've got to take the wind out of that ballpark because momentum plays such a big part in postseason baseball. And then for, for the Astros, like I said, they need to win one of these two first games because mm-hmm. going to Fenway is tough. So it's going to Minute Maid. No, it is. That's why I said, I, that's why I, said I think both teams, That's one of the loudest for sure. I said both teams will be happy leaving one and one. Yeah, I'm with um, you. Brent Strom, by the way. I was drawing a blank earlier. Brent uh, good Strong, call. Astros good call. And that, now if you're the Astros, you want to get to sale early. You want to get them out of the game in the second inning. Yeah. And then that's that's just more innings that that bullpen has to cover, and then they're not going to be fresh over the next couple of days. So um, I think that's – it's it's simple, but that's really – that's key. Um, I like the Sox in game one. Yeah. Okay. I know Fram Framber's good, but I mean, and, and who are you taking in the series? And I like the Sox at six. Okay. Both teams are very similar. Both teams have high-powered offenses. 
pitching rotation with question marks pitching starting pitching question marks right yeah yeah but i think that's fair to say um bullpen too yeah i i thought this was very a very even series i had to go in seven games until mccullers was out and then i gave a slight edge to the red Sox. that's huge man that is huge. i don't think it's really getting the attention that was the one game that they could be like we're gonna win this one yeah right especially if it was tonight because he would throw tonight and evolve Avaldi might have thrown on short rest tonight if McCullers was thrown. And McCullers is not on the NLCS roster either. Right. Correct. So, so he, 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 he I mean, will he's miss not this entire series. Yeah. Yeah. He can't That's just right. show up late in the series for game seven or anything. Evaldi. Yeah. Um, unless, unless a pitcher gets hurt. That, yeah. But it's right. Sure. Luis Garcia going game two. Game three. They are both TBDs. So they haven't really decided who's going. Probably, game probably Eddie Rodriguez for Boston. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then it got Zach Granke coming out of the pen, too. He's not starting for Houston because he had uh, injury issues. or COVID yeah, He only threw like one inning last year. series, I think. Yeah, the Astros have a bunch of, I hate to call them nobodies, but like Jose Urquides and Framber Valdez. I think Urquidy, uh Luis Garcia, and I mean, Framber, too, that they, they have good stuff. Those they're are all like, international, international free agents. Nobody right. knows who they are, but they have really good stuff. And well, they're not pushovers, either. Like, yeah. these guys can beat you. These yeah. guys can go seven shutty against a good offense. We saw it. They, they they pitched well against a really good White Sox team. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough series. All right, let's kick it over to the NLCS preview. The Atlanta Braves took out the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers with a two-seed. Braves, really slow start to the season. And I got to give them so much credit because I wrote them off midseason. Me they had too. Acuna go down, their superstar player. They had their ace, Mike Soroka. He, had a nut, he re-tore his Achilles after doing it last year. He's out for the season, and I hate to put more attention to this guy's name, but we'd be remiss not to mention him as Marcelo Zuna. They lost him. He's a two-time All-Star. He left for suspension due to domestic violence. Well, he broke his – he got hit by a pitch and broke his hand first. That's right. And but then, 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 then the suspension happened man. during that. Yeah. Then it snowballed. But that's three star players. I mean, you have your co-MVP. I don't want to call him MVP because Freddie Freeman's right there too. Mm-hmm. Co-MVP in Acuna, your ace, Mike Soroka, and then two-thirds of your outfield, Ozuna, Acuna, out. Yeah. And they're right back. That's the a lot of production to replace. You got a rematch. We, uh, this series went seven games last year. Braves were up three to one last year, and they ended up blowing it. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's a lot of production to have to fill in for. It was a big void, but Austin Riley came up huge this year. He put up MVP-type yeah. numbers. Swanson was good. Albies had 30-plus homers at second base. Alex Anthopoulos. Most underrated general manager in baseball. I mean, those players were already there. But, but, yeah. but Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, no, like they Duvall. completely reshaped Duvall. They completely reshaped their outfield. Yeah, oh, you're right. He did what he did, and I thought they would sell. I thought they were going to sell some, you know, sell some guys. Did. And when they didn't, I'm going, what are these guys doing? And then they took advantage of a weak division. They knew they had a feeling that the Mets were going to falter, and they did. So um, I don't. I I got Dodgers in five here. Yeah, I think the Dodgers are just on another level. I think the Giants were on another level, but the Dodgers obviously use that play- playoff experience. That lineup is just battle tested over the past couple of years. The depth in the pitching rotation is it's a luxury. Their, their no bullpen one is insane. Like well, they go and start Corey Canabel game five against San Francisco, and then they bring in Bruce. How Gardner did you feel all. about that, by the way? How did you feel about that chess move? I like the strategy of it. The gamesmanship uh-huh. was, I thought was cool. What I thought was cool was Doc Roberts, since he's buddies with Kapler, text him yes. the night before Very cool. and let him know. I thought that was pretty pro. 
that brings me to another point though okay we can talk about it was a great series that might have been a world series matchup really like probably the you can make the case those are the two best teams in baseball this year giants dodgers stats say that yeah however the whole rivalry aspect and i brought this up earlier this season i probably shouldn't be saying this because the padres are neither here nor there they completely faltered this year they're not even in the conversation because they didn't make the playoffs that said the padres and dodgers hate each other like they do not like one another they were thrown at each other they were jarring at one another Trent Grisham and Dave Roberts got into it. Giants and Dodgers, two best teams. I feel like there's a lot more respect between the two then. That's exactly right. And it's almost kind of shitting on the Padres because the Dodgers don't respect the Padres. Because the the Padres, because they're like, you haven't won anything. The Gabe Kapler, Dave Roberts, they do have a relationship. So we can talk about two best teams and the series was awesome, but there was no intentionally hit by pitches. There was no, there wasn't fan wise. A lot of hatred. Player-wise, coach-wise, it was very... uh, It's clean, high-level baseball. That's right. That's right. So I'm not here to say that the Padres and Dodgers are the best rivalry in baseball because the Padres, frankly, don't deserve much discussion right right now. They haven't earned that. With that said, those are two great teams, but Mm -hmm. the hatred wasn't... It's it's just in a different... We're in a different era of baseball, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, we're not seeing bench clearing clearing brawls every... Well, number one, they they throw out some fat fines nowadays for throwing at people, for, even if you don't hit them. Yeah. If they're like, oh, you tried to hit them, there was intent there, and it was above the shoulders, here's 20000 Yeah. Send it to the – you know, that's just – no one really wants to mess with that anymore. It's crazy to think with the Dodgers, too. I mean, obviously, highest-scoring offense in the National League. The rotation <clears throat> to start the season, <laughs> like Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, he's on suspension or leave or whatever you want to call it right now. Kershaw's out uh don't dustin may like those are three star pitchers right there they're not even right. here we started the season talking about how they had seven starting pitchers i think um, they, i think they are setting a new formula for really how you should build a team is you just allocate and acquire as many starting pitchers as you possibly can because in today's world with guys throwing 100 miles an hour every single pitch injuries are at an all-time high you need eight, nine starting pitchers to get you through a 162-game season. Well, when there's no limit to what you can spend, that's uh, that's an option for you. So when you can have a $240 million payroll, that's one thing. When you're the Rays and you want to keep it under 75, things are different. You're not going to go get Scherzer and those guys. So um, it's different once you're past the luxury tax. You're just like, nah, whatever, let it eat. I'm getting a call from San Luis Obispo. Do you think it's an, an ad? Probably. Hello? <laughs> I sure did, Grandma. Yes, I sure did. Yeah, so she's <laughs> a huge Dodgers fan. Huge Dodgers. Oh, fan. she's just letting you have it. Yes, I I am well aware of the score last night. Thank you for calling me, Grandma. She's like, he swung. I, I, that's my wife's gra- grandma. So uh, don't have her number. I don't I didn't know. Maybe save that. <laughs> Is this spam? Hi, Grandma. <laughs> I'm putting that on the pot. She So she grew up, she's 91 years old. She grew up in Brooklyn. Dodger fan her entire life. Dude, that's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jenny's parents are from Brooklyn too, so. Okay. Okay, as we wrap up shop here, I'm going to ask you one final question. Okay. Mike Schilt being fired by the Cardinals. Brutal. Thoughts? Philosophical differences? 
Right, and they said AKA, that they have internal AKA candidates. He's not down with the heavy analytics. Basically. That is my point exactly. That's what it is. I mean, I, I know Shilty just from playing against him. He was a AAA manager in, in Memphis for a couple of years when I was in the PCL. So the, most of the time, the managers coach their base in AAA. Yeah. So I got to spend a lot of time over. I loved him. He's just so even keel. I mean, you'll see him get fired up every once in a while, but as a player, he's just the same guy every single day. And I, I loved him. I obviously didn't play for him, but you could just tell the guys loved him. You know, um, I, God, I mean, they fight. Matheny had a 555 winning percentage. Schilt had a 556 winning percentage. Yeah. It's like. That's St. Louis, though. I mean, the well, bar is. Yeah, but no, that's like, that's not a harsh place. I know they expect to win, but I mean, they underperformed, I guess, most of the season and then picked it up. Obviously, they went on a 17 game win streak. Um, to get in, which I thought was impressive. Um, but I, I, that one came out of nowhere for me. I, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with it. I feel like there's more, it's, it's deeper rooted. And I think there's a, a disconnect between him and the front office, obviously. I think St. Louis is definitely thought of as a more traditional, um, high culture, but, but kind of, kind of being left in the rearview mirror. And let me put it like this. I, I, I think Oakland is a very unique situation in that Oakland basically started this, the analytical money ball approach, saber metrics. They went all in Oakland's no longer spending money, or I shouldn't say no longer Oakland doesn't spend money. They rely completely on analytics. Oakland's being left in the rear view mirror. I would argue because now teams are relying on analytics and they're spending money. You have to have both of those components. Yeah. Now, St. Louis, St. Louis spends a little bit of money. They're not one of the higher revenue teams, but they spend a little bit of money. You know, they got Arnado and Goldschmidt, but they're not really analytically dependent. So if you don't have both of those components, Oakland, they don't spend, but they have analytics. St. Louis, they spend a little bit, but they don't have analytics. So only uh, Tampa the Dodgers, is the special. Tampa is the, the exception there. Yeah, but Tampa, these analytically dependent teams, at least the guys that don't spend can they rely completely on analytics. They haven't won a World Series yet. Not one no, team but... that is as thought of as analytically driven has won a World Series. Tampa Bay lost last year. The A's have yet to find mean? their the way. Dodgers, but they do both. They do both. The Dodgers do both. That's that's kind of my point. You have to have both of those components. That's the era that we are in in, yeah. in baseball. High and Bloom spends analytics. The San Francisco Giants, Far Anxiety spends analytics. Uh, Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers, same same scenario. So yeah. I think that's kind of the new era of baseball we're in. Well, still, like, that's not Schilt's fault. It's not. It's that's not. beyond him. So I think it's has – I don't think it has anything to do with, with the combination of the two. It's just I think they – I'm guessing didn't see eye-to-eye throughout the season, and it just never got better. Um, as far as analytics gone, and, and maybe he just didn't want to be a puppet. He probably likes to make his own lineups, this and that. That's kind of, he kind of has some old school to him. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's not old school baseball anymore. So uh, there's no <laughs> Dusty Bakers and, and LaRusso's floating around. Those guys are on their way out too soon. So it, the game's just different. And unfortunately for Shield, he should still have that job. You got the Sox in the series or moving on in the series. I never asked you who's winning the Braves Dodgers. Hard to argue with that one. Until next time, party people, Wilma Brooks, Danny Vietti, enjoy the ALCS and LCS. Peace out.